This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have with this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Dimitri Matskevich, co-founder and CEO of DeepBrain, a San Francisco-based AI startup. In order to understand how create artificial intelligence, you need to understand how brain works and vice versa. If we want to make artificial intelligence like more scalable to democratize AI for broader use for a lot of businesses, we want to solve this problem of data, custom data for every use case. Basically, uh, we called this project D-Brain from Distributed Brain. We came to the idea that we need to create this like platform like for humans to be like engaged in training AI. And it's not like uh, about some high-paid data scientists mostly. No. It could be like Almost anybody with some skills which uh, you have just from evolution. Everybody thought that AI can uh, make like life miserable and uh, eliminate a lot of jobs. But what we see right now that it can assist in a lot of jobs. And at the same way, it, it can create a lot of jobs. So without humans, without human knowledge is nothing. This is Dimitri. He's a serial entrepreneur and a data geek. He realized that human-generated data is more important than algorithms for AI solutions. And here is where he found a large gap in the market. And this led him to co-found DeepBrain, the first community-owned platform on blockchain for trading artificial intelligence. It connects the exploding AI demand on human-labeled data with the abundant global supply of online workers. In doing so, it provides potentially 2 billion unbanked people an opportunity to raise their standard of living and become part of a global finance system due to the cross-border reach the blockchain provides. And this inspired me, hence I invited Dimitri to be a guest on my podcast. We explore his vision of making humans great again, what the key ingredients are to do so, how this can be accelerated, and how this can help distribute wealth from high-income countries to countries with low income. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, how to identify disruptive ideas by connecting the dots between challenges of seemingly not obviously connected stakeholders. Secondly, why developing a crowd mindset is not only critical to create scale and speed, but also to create complete new markets. And thirdly, how to overcome some large-scale obstacles in an elegant and smart way. 
So Dimitri, to get the podcast going, can you give the audience a little bit of background about yourself and what drives you in your professional career? My name is Dimitri, and to put this story short, I learned applied mathematics and physics, then later finance. And for the whole of my career, I was fascinated uh, on artificial intelligence and brain science. So for me, those fields always uh, like being connected. So in order to understand how create artificial intelligence, you need to understand how brain works and vice versa. So uh, I've read a lot on, uh, on this and like seven years ago, I started my company called uh, Flocktory, uh, which did uh, behavioral engineering for e-commerce. So in, uh, in the simpler world, worlds, we did like content recommendations. So basically, we track every customer, every purchase on every site. And based on that information, we strive to make, uh, to make recommendations for the next one. So it's like, it's pretty much uh, like an Amazon, but uh, yeah. shared among different stores. Yeah. And we sold the company like a year ago. And after that, I had a period of like, you know, boring time, depression. I, I wanted to understand what to do next. And I came back to the idea that I was always fascinated about AI. And I gathered a small team of like 10, 15 computer vision experts and data scientists. Uh-huh. And we just uh, started to play and research recent development in deep learning, in uh, artificial intelligence. And uh, we tried to understand how we can apply those developments to real life problems because we didn't want to be like in the distant future and to make R&D. We wanted to understand how we can solve like use cases and problems which are already like here among us. And for this year, we created a bunch of use cases. Some of these use cases are really like uh, crazy. I can For example, uh, in the largest factory that produced meat in Europe, we help to eliminate any queues with people who want to wash hands. So before Uh before us, they have like long queues of people to some mechanical machine, which like mechanically wash your hands and ensure that before going to clean room, your hands is clean, you know? And... uh, we set up uh, a lot of cameras which track every action, and now they track uh, whether people wash hands automatically. So it's remember your face, you wash your hands with soap, it's understand yeah. that hands wash properly, and after that, the system let you in in a clean room, like in a different uh, region of this factory. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that was a lot of fun, and actually that already like... Uh, optimized a lot and people save maybe like 30 minutes on their job so they just uh, go to a random washer wash hands and cameras track every action and that's it yeah so we built a bunch of other cool use cases that sounds like from the future and we understood that all of those artificial intelligence is not about algorithms so it's more about human generated data so yeah if we want to make artificial intelligence like more scalable to democratize AI for broader use for a lot of businesses, we want to solve this problem of data, custom data for every use case. Yeah. 
Okay. And we understood that we need a lot of people across the globe being engaged in this data labeling, data segmentation, data cross-validation, because this is like the key for any solution because, you know, AI in, in most of use cases don't learn by itself. It yeah, could true. happen in, in, yeah, it could happen in some very restricted environment like some game like AlphaGo or chess playing, but in the real world it's really hard. So basically, uh, we called this project D-Brain from Distributed Brain. So it's yeah. like a lot of brains uh, across the globe like uh, teachers uh, which teach neural network like to perform different tasks. At the current state of artificial intelligence, this is just very like primitive skills, like identify any object on a camera or on an image, find every car on the image. But this is a dog, for, this is a cat. Yeah, yeah. But even for those skills, you need like human mind engaged to train uh, like those use cases. Exactly. And they understood that uh, like nobody knows about this like singularity moment whenever like artificial intelligence can do like any task. So maybe it's like in some distant future, a lot of experts disagreed, but for sure we understand that before that moment, we need a lot of humans to train neural network. So like to transfer those like human skills to those like network, which helps. So this is how we came to the idea that we need to create this like platform, like for humans to be like engaged in training AI. And it's not like uh, about some high-paid data scientist mostly. No. It could be like almost anybody with some skills which uh, you have just from evolution, you know? So you can... Anybody with a connection to the internet anywhere in the world? Yeah, anybody. Yeah, yeah. For example, like the simplest interface in our platform is just like Telegram chatbot. Or like any messenger chatbot. And in this yeah. chatbot, anybody can receive images and validate whether these like images were segmented in the right way. And I can I can do mm -hmm. some examples here. Like the most like uh, the broadest use case right now is self-driving cars, obviously. And for example, you can send like anybody in a distant region images with every car on the image like segmented. And this person need to validate, yep. are those, like, are every counter image segmented or not? So this is, like, very, very easy task. But still, it needs, like, human touch here. I see. And that brings me to a different question. On your website, it says, we have the first community-owned decentralized platform for training artificial intelligence. So in essence, it means that anyone and anywhere in the world can contribute to the task of training artificial intelligence, correct? Now let's link that to something else we talked about just before the call. You talked about the vision of making humans great again. How does your platform and the job of training artificial intelligence link to this? How can you apply it to make humans great again? Yeah, here we have uh, in our mind that everybody thought that AI can uh, make like life miserable and uh, eliminate a lot of jobs. But what we see right now that it can assist in a lot of jobs. And at the same way, it, it can create a lot of jobs. And here we want to show that 
automating like staff and assisting staff in uh, well-paid countries, we engage a lot of humans, a lot of people from low-paid countries who can do like simple tasks and help to like distribute value from countries with high income to countries with low income. So yeah, this is how we see, uh, this is how we like uh, approach this. Yeah. So you're and, offering a couple of pe- couple of billion people around the world a job. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, we're trying to eliminate a lot of friction here. Yeah, so a lot of people, even educated, they don't have a good financial system, good banking system. They can be unbanked, like in Nigeria. But at the same time, they like very smart people and uh, they have smartphones and uh, they can do some interesting tasks. And this could be not only um, just about like any primitive tasks. We also can find some for example we can we have use case in uh, us where pathologists who try to identify cancer on a biopsy also help to train neural network which assist other pathologists like a second opinion and yeah. this makes their decision faster this don't eliminate them but for example before that any pathologist had uh, for output for example 10 use cases per day but yeah. with the help of other opinions so it's just like crowdsourced intelligence you can do like maybe 20 already. So it can help a lot, a lot more people for the same time. Yeah. When is the moment then when the artificial intelligence is trained so much that it can actually start to, to create a life on its own, to do self-learning, deep learning? Actually, there are a lot of misconceptions in the field here. And as I said already, there are some use cases in which a neural network can be trained by itself just by try and, er- try and error. For example, in those games as chess playing AlphaGo, but this works only in some very restrict environments. So these environments with very like defined rules and fast iterations. But you can't yeah. imagine that uh, some self-driving cars gonna learn by itself just trying to like hit random objects <laughs> and okay i uh, i don't want to do this again <laughs> let's try again so True. yeah real world is really like a very complex environment and what you see that for a long long time we're gonna need like a lot of as i said already a lot of human engage just to transfer those skills and even in some uh, use cases where artificial intelligence perform very well you still need a human assistant because yeah. it's it's not it's not here to eliminate human. It's here to assist him and eliminate some, you know, very repetitive routine tasks. Sure. And make them focus on an, an essence, you know, so yeah. on making decisions, on making some higher level decisions. True. And I see different things here. On the one hand side, I see that it's about automating things away, that the person can actually continue to focus more. On what that person was actually hired for on the other side however with the examples that you gave about um, the medical experts that's all about augmentation giving them additional help to become even better in what they are and what they do this reminds me actually of another podcast i did i spoke to the ceo of a company called aptich and they created an artificial intelligence that that's identifying uncertainties in the project development lifecycle and alerting a project manager about that to be able to do something about it in a more timely fashion. And that's clearly augmentation, but it's also about understanding the patterns. 
Yeah, so, so yeah, it, it actually it helps managers to like to manage things properly. Yeah, exactly. So interesting concept. But now that I realize how it works and the fact that you are actually like it was on your website, give new job opportunities to two billion unbanked banked people. But that's not the end of it, because once they have done their job and they have identified the objects and categorized them in the right way, so they've actually learned or gave the artificial intelligence skills, then, then it's ready to create a life on its own. So are you intending to sort of become a marketplace for, for ISVs that want to create AI-based solutions? Yeah, actually, uh, it's, it's kind of marketplace here. So there are a lot of stakeholders here. On one side, there are like uh, workers who help segment data, cross-validate data, clean data. Yep. And uh, there are going to be like endless tasks on this side. On another side, there are data scientists who hate to segment data, label data, and cross-validate data. They want to focus on like sexy stuff like modeling. But modeling is just like, yeah, modeling just 10% of the work. So uh, 90% is like data data management. Another stakeholder is business, business who like sit on the data, but don't understand how to deal with data. And you can mm-hmm. imagine that in the US, there are like maybe like top 10 corporations like Amazon, Google, Facebook, which have a lot of data. They had, have a lot of talents here, but there are also long tail of like factories, long tail of different businesses who can also benefit, but they don't have data. They don't understand how to create AI. They don't able to hire people for like one million dollars per year from Facebook to no. help them. So, and there also could be like just data providers, some business who have a lot of data, but uh, this data can be helpful for like others player. For example, some ERP system for pathologists, which own a lot of data already pre-segmented, like cancer or not, and they sit on this data and afraid to give this data to like anybody. Because they have a lot of like uh, trust issues, they don't understand how they're gonna benefit from sharing this data, and we strive to create this like ecosystem that everybody can for can be benefited for the contribution, you know. Yeah. And so, so on the on, yeah. So how how did you approach that? What technology did you use for this? Uh... Actually, uh, here we hope uh, that like blockchain help help us to eliminate a lot of trust trust issues here. Because uh, this is uh, what we think blockchain is the best for. Whenever you have some trust issue, and there are all, always a lot of like agency costs connected to this trust issue. So whenever you uh, have like untrusted environment, you invest a lot of money to like background checks, to some SLA, to like to validate stuff, to do some conflict resolution here. And let me let me show you some example here how you how you approach this on one side. For example, you, you want to segment 1 million images for like cancer detection use case, or let, let it be like some easy use case for self-driving cars. And uh, you received those images, those 1 million images from some uh, like supplier of this like segmentation. And then what? You need to like validate them by itself. Okay, you did the job. You check every 1 million images and you understood that half of them did in, a, in an improper way and now you're yep. gonna like ping pong like every image okay guys you need to redo this and they're gonna say nope we don't 
and you you don't have like any conflict resolution system here and it's always like about bargain power who have more bargain power gonna push his like terms here and what we create we want uh, that anybody like in, anybody independent like freelancer can log in do one piece of job one image and this is image locked unless it cross validated through other independent validators from like the same country from other countries which yeah. like don't know about each other they're independent they are not biased and the, and they vote whether this like piece of data or image was segmented in the right way for example five right. of them voted positive and right after that we unlock like money for the job and we unlock this yeah. piece of data and we understood okay this piece of data is a clean one and True. Yeah, this is this is how we want to solve like this particular trust issue. There are also a lot of trust issues on business side, as I said already, especially in this field of artificial intelligence. You understand that whenever you have the whole data set segmented, you already basically have a solution. So from this point to the solution is very small step. That's why business is very afraid to give data to anybody because uh, basically whenever anybody like stole data they're gonna replicate solution right away and they yeah. and at this point they want to be sure that whenever they in, uh, contribute with data whenever they uh, send data segmentation they control like who uh, have access to the data they control that nobody have access to the whole data set and in our system we like distribute data among millions millions people so nobody have the whole the whole piece of data so nobody can like replicate the solution understand yeah this is is just yeah yeah, this is just like several examples here so yeah let me show maybe some uh, more futuristic use case for example you're you are pathologist who are very high paid pathologist you don't want just segment uh, like like detect cancer just for money because okay you're well paid you don't want to uh, you know grow competitor for you and for you we can have some very clever algorithms which track your contribution in terms of data and after neural network is trained you're going to be benefited on your contribution with every api call for example uh-huh. As I yeah. said already, you pathologists, you, you just can do like 10 use cases per day. But there are like thousands of people in Nigeria who don't have access to you, for example. And you sure. can't scale your pattern recognition skills to them. But you can train neural network and make it like for free, for example, for this region. And yeah. or maybe for some tiny amount of money. Because anyway, those people can't reach you and can't reach anybody like on the decent level of expertise. True. The whole monetization thing becomes a completely different ballgame. It's an interesting thought in itself. Once the, the technology is captured digitally, you can reuse it in various ways. And therefore, why keep people from having access to that if it can make a difference? And this actually reminds me of a call I had with Nadine Hashasharam, who was creating a solution to allow doctors to be physically, for example, in the UK, but then technically helping out with an operation in, let's say, Nigeria or in, in Peru. And that's the other side of it. It could even be a model that blends together. Yeah, yeah. So in, in this use case, uh, this is a very cool use case. You like uh, 
teleport. So you like teleport doctor to some distant region. Yes. And in our use case, we like multiply this doctor. So it's like simultaneously exactly. like in a, in a different regions. So we can, in, in, somehow we like copy piece of his mind, which is responsible for this particular like pattern recognition. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. So in going, in going from the aha moment to where you are with the solution right now, what were the lessons learned? What were the hard decisions you have to make? Hmm. Yeah, actually, um, the, maybe uh, the most important lesson that was learned is I already like communicated this, that the current state of AI is not about like fancy algorithms in most of use cases. And it's not about uh, like high paid engineers. It's more about uh, like ordinary people who can contribute uh, their skills to these problems. And it's all about human generated data. Yeah. So I guess that some people really uh, don't understand this to, to the full extent that re- current state of AI is not conscious. It's not going to like uh, become some kind of Skynet at least in the short term, <laughs> just like very optimized for some narrow space, like pattern recognition, and uh, which can be trained only by humans. So without humans, without human knowledge is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are you most proud of achieving so far with the platform? Oh, <laughs> we try to be very modest, you know, so it's hard to say what we are proud of. We're going to be proud of in the future because right now, every use case which we created was created by our internal team. And uh, it's going to be really cool uh, whenever we will be able to engage community. So we already like have a community of 10,000 data science. And well, you already have that. Yep. Yeah, but it, it, it was like from the long ago. It wasn't created for like one year. And we saw already uh, there are uh, kind of like gap between businesses. So on the business side, they have a lot of data. They understand use case, but they don't understand about artificial intelligence. They don't understand what deep learning is. And on the other side, uh, they have a lot of like data scientists who's really like the smartest guy uh, in the world, but they don't understand use cases. They don't have data. They don't know what to do. And yeah. what we hope to achieve, we want to close this gap between them. So we have secure platform for businesses to contribute data, contribute use cases, and for data scientists to contribute their skills to, to create AI applications based on those like use cases and data. So we're going to be proud of uh, whenever we like achieve this like uh, openness of our platform. Yeah, because... Yeah. Right, now, right now, we're trying to solve this like chicken and egg problem. So we have a lot of workers and to supply a lot of work, we find use cases by ourselves. So yeah, we, uh, yeah, but I mean, there's, it's not so hard to think about things that are available these days and to, to reconsider how you could exponentially grow their value by applying technology to them. Yeah. And I mean, that's also the reason why I created this podcast. To me, it's more about like I said, the augmentation side, how can technology add value to the unique strength of people? But what I've seen so far is that there are so many unique ideas out there and by sharing them, it will likely create more ideas from that because you start combining things. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, so if you would give an advice to an ISV that, let's, let's take the ISV side first. If you would give advice to an ISV that is currently building business software solutions or other type of technology, what would you advise them to do with regards to what is possible these days? Mm. I'd really usually advise to, to start from clients to find out not to strive for some for some like big market for like multi-trillion dollar market and just find maybe some tiny use case which is like in need in in very need and focus to solve this use case and uh, whenever you do this you have a lot of like energy coming back to you that you achieve something you're not just like in the sky for some like decent future it's very easy to move, uh, especially, it's very subjective, of course. So it's not like some like business absolute knowledge. But for me, it's, uh, it's easier to move like step by steps. You, you found some use case, that's basically what we did. So we just like brainstorm, think very small, like find out those who already need this solution, who basically you understand that you're in the right move whenever you meet this client and client pitch you. Not you pitching client, but client pitch you that they have this like kind of problem, which they see could be solved uh, with this like kind of vision you have. And yep. you need just focus on this particular problem, which this business needs. And the smaller problem is better because there's, there's going to be no competition for the small problems. But whenever you solve small problems, you're going to see like a new horizon, how you can move from this particular point to another. Well, that's clear. So, that's clearly the story of your company. You started with a number of use cases and you felt you, you came closer and closer to the real problem. And that's what you solved. Yes, it's already, <laughs> this is very subjective. Maybe there are some uh, better approach to build, uh, maybe earn money. But this is how I see, like, I feel more comfortable to do these things in, in this way. So you find out some small things, focus, do the stuff. And this also helps to to keep your team motivated because they always feel like they do some real some real stuff because yeah yes <laughs> well the challenge at the end is to start with small problems but not to keep it small in terms of how it can scale so what i like about your example is that you you took a global approach to solve actually two big problems the first one is about the trust side of the data and the second one is about the access to an enormous work pool that can actually do the job. Because if you take people, well, where you live, where I live, in Europe, North America, the developed worlds, no one wants to seek out for a week in a row to identify what's on the picture or to get paid what you actually paid for the hour. But there's an enormous world out there whereby if you pay them a number of dollars per hour, that's for them a massive salary. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a big for them. Yeah. So you solve two problems at the same time. What is the next big step? What is your the next big milestone? Mm. Yeah, actually, uh, for the for the next several months, we're gonna we're gonna develop like maybe ten more vertical use cases, and we already have a pipeline of clients. And it's really hard to be focused here right now because we just see a lot of use cases on the market and it's, it's really a, like a special skill to be like on the ground and not to be distracted. So this is a challenge. And we hope that, uh, as I said already, uh, that the next big milestone is going to be whenever we uh, succeed in 
delegating this to community. So we can be focused on a platform and community of data sciences of uh, like products, product owners going to contribute these cases by itself and build these cases by itself, just leveraging our platform. So this is our hope. We hope they're going to like achieve this maybe in a coming year, but we will see. You never, you never know in advance, uh, like a lot of uncertainty here, but yeah. we see already a lot of signs that this is achievable and like we can do this. Nice. Yeah, scaling it even further. So if you could use the, the audience for this podcast and you could ask them something, what would be the ask that how people could help you? Okay, I, I'm always fascinated about uh, new crazy use cases. So whenever anybody have in mind or have some like close like corporation, business, data, and they have some ideas how this can be leveraged and like through the help of artificial intelligence, it's really going to be cool to connect with you and discuss with our team. And yeah, maybe we are going to prioritize those use cases in, in, in advance. So Excellent. yeah, we're always uh, looking for new, new opportunities. Yes, of course. I understand. It's particularly the use cases. And what people need to start doing is to think outside of the box, as they call it. Think big. And a lot of times you're stuck into, I'm doing it this way. And you don't look for alternatives to solve things in a completely different way. Yeah, and and in this particular case, you always uh, it always helps to have some crowd uh, crowd uh, mindset. So, like a lot of different people here, they all live different lives. They connected with different fields, and it's really hard, uh, like for our team, to understand anything and to to be able to like uh, have exposure to any use case. So it really helps us in, in these particular challenges to have some community who can see something and have an idea so do you use a community to help potential customers to integrate their idea or to come up with potential angles to take their idea from let's say 10% impact to 10x impact yeah this is uh, this is a cool idea we haven't we haven't done yet something like that and yeah may, maybe in future we can organize somehow this uh, framework yeah, yeah. Uh, right now, right, yeah, right now, as already, uh, we just like most of the job we did by ourselves. So we just like sure. approach clients, brainstorm with him, and come up with some uh, spectrum of ideas. But yeah, it's, it's going to be really cool whenever we have like broader community which can like contribute or even like collaborate with each other to exactly. polish these ideas and come up with the new ones. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, we hope we hope. Uh, to achieve something like that in the in the future, yeah. Good. Well, thank you very much for sharing your inspiring ideas, Dimitri. I think it solves a big business demand because of the explosive data need that's uh, that's available in the market today. And at the other end, it also solves a big social problem by creating a well a huge opportunity for people to create a decent living out of your platform. Thank you for approaching me and uh, for those deep questions. So, yeah, I really love to be here. Thanks, Dimitri. It was a pleasure. And for everybody that was listening, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Dimitri Matskevich, co-founder and CEO at Brain. You can find more on Dimitri in a variety of ways. First of all, there's Twitter. And his Twitter handle is at Matskevich. Of course, you can also find Dimitri on LinkedIn. But you can also go to their website, which you can find at www.dbrain.io. 
The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So, with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. 